The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Vas Bednar is here, Executive Director of the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. Toronto-based lawyer Courtney Betty of the delightfully named Betty's Law. And Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show, 10 to noon, right here on News Talk 1010. Happy Friday to y'all. Let's start with this study, and we'll know more about it at 8.05 when we talk to the study author, but it suggests that we may have overdone things when it comes to school closures. Now, I do think it's notable that they say masking and vaccines and staying at home when you're sick were just as good, so the vaccine was not available in 2020. But let me start with Courtney Betty on this one. What's your reaction? Well, John, there's a lot, you know, in terms of the whole process of what we went through dealing with the COVID uh, pandemic, there's a lot of questions that's going to be asked, um, whether it be in the school scenario, in the employment scenario. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a tough one because there's so much that we didn't know at the time. So it's a little bit easier to say hindsight. We could have done things differently. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, there's just so much information that we did not have. Vas Bednar, I'm already hearing from them. Lots of anti-vaxxers and convoy types are saying, see, I told you so. I'm not sure that's the full takeaway from this study. I think you're right. I mean, that caveat, when infection prevention control measures were in place, schools were not a significant source of transmission. So that's not saying that schools weren't a significant source of transmission. But uh, when we had masking, when we had air purifiers, et cetera, et cetera, we were able to kind of minimize that risk. And, uh, you know, putting this in context and putting it in comparison to the mandatory quarantining and the isolation and stress that people felt, I think, is is an important caveat. Jerry Agar, we lost 135 school days. Deb Hutton on the morning brief at 620 was totally steamed because she has two girls who are in uh-huh. the school system, and she feels that they were sort of permanently damaged by this. Well, uh, I don't disagree with what uh, Courtney said in terms of, look, hindsight is always 2020, um, so we have to be careful how much blame we put, but... Far be it for me to be the person to defend the anti-vaxxers. But we did know that children were not the ones in danger or the ones transmitting the disease. We did know that. I can't, I can't tell you how many times we talked about that. So you know, I understand that sentiment as well. Although the problem... Yeah, well, just to, yeah go ahead, Jared, just, Courtney. Just to, add on, just to add there, John, one of the things that I thought was also interesting about the report is the impact on, let's say, minority communities or low-income communities. And that is an issue that we still need to look at and address in terms of trying to make sure that, you know, the kind of educational losses that those communities suffered during this period, we find a way to, uh, to you know, to continually come up with some solutions for these communities. Ford administration says there will be no highway tolls. As a matter of fact, they're going to pass a law against them. Jerry, they're passing a law against something they weren't going to do. <laughs> well, just to make sure, because, you know, uh, who knows what the liberals will come up with once they get uh, Bunny Crombie elected and in place and, you know, all of you that. You think that's so, going to happen? There's, th- look, there's a lot of running around right now with the uh, conservatives making all kinds of announcements where we're going to save you money here, save you money there. That's that's uh, going on at a steady pace right now. Uh, you know, what the first thing a lot of people would do, it's what I did. Yeah, does this apply to the 407? Uh, sadly, no. No. And Courtney Betty, to come back 
back to you. Uh, 407 will forever be a thorn in our sides. We built it. We sold it for a song. They said they wouldn't raise the uh, uh, tolls. They raised the tolls. It's forever annoying. Oh, it, well, that's part of it, John. But it's really interesting that we're passing a law to say we're not going to do something in the future, which is kind of interesting rather than saying, hey, you know what? We're going to get rid of the toll right now, which really should be the, the news of the day or have some impact. If we really want to impact on what people are, the cost of living, then why not deal with the situation that we have right now? And Vez Bednar, I should be more specific. Actually, we didn't sell it. We leased it until a time uh, where even you, as the youngest person on this panel, will be dead. No even even I, even my friends and I, my friends and I studied that highway as like a major policy failure. So don't don't worry. I'm still with it. I can fit in here. Look, the permanent freeze on driver's license uh, and, and photo card fees is also intriguing, right? It's just like, why can't there be any flexibility here? Why wouldn't these potentially go up with inflation? Or can we just have a more frank conversation about fees that governments charge writ large? And maybe because we're able to, you know, update through Service Canada and have kind of digital options, maybe these fees should actually come down. Maybe the cost of processing is actually not as high. I just renewed my driver's license um, and it was 90 bones. And it's like, I would love a bit more information about where that $90 goes. And maybe it shouldn't be as expensive as it is. That's just a different conversation than saying we're going to freeze these quote unquote forever. Toronto Police Association sent an, a memo to its members saying, hey, look at us. We did it. And uh, Jerry, I'll, I'll start with you on this one because I keep arguing this is part of the power of radio. Those were very effective radio commercials the police association ran. And I think when they started running, it was inevitable that uh, the mayor was going to have to fold on the police budget. Well, and when as an organization you achieve what you wanted to achieve, um, you're, you're going to talk about it to some degree. This was an internal memo. But when you send an internal memo to as many people as the Toronto police, it's going to get leaked. It's going to get leaked. The politicians <laughs> are going to see it. The media is going to see it. Uh, so you have to be careful how you word it, because this is going to come off to a lot of people as kind of crowing, you know? Well, you know, maybe they should crow. Vass, what do you think? I don't think they should crow. I mean, I think it's very tempting and exciting to try to claim that investments you made in social media and kind of air war campaigns paid off in the end, but it's very difficult to actually know that something was causal. Courtney, Betty, I've said this was a good cop, bad cop operation. The chief gave very measured interviews about why he needed the money. And then the association told us we were going to be stabbed to death in our homes. Yeah, it was, a, you know, a very intense campaign. But, John, you know, the police association in Toronto, number one, has always had these very creative campaigns. If you remember going back, looking at baseball hats, etc. But, you know, I said that, you know, the budget for the mayor... Uh, was a tapestry. I think that her backing down on this issue, I think this was an error. I really think that the police union should have tried, the police association should have tried to figure out how they could find $12 million and uh, also keep the community community programs going. To me, that uh, it's a little bit of a, you know, a, a challenge for the mayor to make this decision. Air Canada 
is has been found by a tribunal to be responsible for a chatbot's mistake. Let me map this all out, and then I know, Vaz, you're excited about this because it's more than in your wheelhouse. It is your wheelhouse. I'm um, a chatbot. Yeah. This is the story of a man who was going to his grandmother's funeral, and he wanted to know if they actually do offer bereavement discounts, and the chatbot said yes. And then later, he filed for his rebate, and Air Canada said, you don't get it. And they said, it was, you know, it was a chatbot. It's not us. So, Vass, I think, sorry, if you're going to rely on technology, if you're going to put humans out of business and replace them with technology, then you're responsible for everything that technology does. Well, yeah, the company trying to absolve themselves of any responsibility, and, you know, Cordy will appreciate the nuances of this uh, more effectively than me, but Air Canada has also tried to say that, you know, you can't hold our company responsible for what our human agents tell you. You know, don't, you know, that's, that's on, that's on them. That's on who, you know, this kind of platform accountability. It's, it's just, just what people on our platform say, not, not really us. So I appreciated that. Yeah. If you're going to be offloading your customer service to chatbots and they're going to be providing people with information, then you're going to need to be able to stand behind that. And I think this guy, this young guy did everything correctly. You know, he asked his questions, he got the information, he screenshotted it, he followed up to, to get a partial rebate. And then the fact that the company was like, no, <laughs> is, is I think, comical. And I'm really glad he brought it forward as a case because this seems like a, a good hinge for the future of synthetic communication. Courtney, I realize it's a tribunal, but does this become case law? Well, John, that's the big issue right now. The whole argument that's saying that a bot is now a separate individual or a separate entity I have no idea what your Canada was thinking in making those arguments. I have no idea it's why they would wait, 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 yeah, waste the time to make those arguments over $689 for bereavement. It really, mm. if, you, if, you, if you follow the logic of their argument, it just opens up a whole new set of legal issues. I think this customer um, was lucky and smart that he did the screenshot because without that, he wouldn't have had any proof that he had been yeah. told by the bot that he could do what he wanted to do. Really quickly, I had a, I was going back and forth with a company I do business with on a regular basis, and I was really unhappy about something. And I, I got a person, not a bot. I eventually got a person. I, I was chatting online, but I, it was a person. And they said, well, if you do this and you do this and you pay this much a month, then it's all going to work out for you. And I said, frankly, I don't really trust you all that much at this point. <laughs> I mean, I said that, and but you're telling me blah, 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 and they said yes you know, to all of this, and then I clicked on save this conversation um, in case it didn't work out. In this particular case, finally, it did work out, but I saved all of that for this reason. I'm very curious to hear what you have to say, because this is such a, a disturbing issue, but uh, Wab Canoe, Premier of Manitoba, he promised this in the election campaign, and he's following through. He's going to spend millions of dollars searching a landfill for the bodies of two Indigenous women who are believed to have been murdered and put in that landfill. Courtney Betty, a lot of people would say, well, you know, it's a lot of money, but I mean, providing dignity to two murdered women who would rest for eternity in a dump might be worth the price um it's it's more the symbolism of it john and, and it, it is a really i think tough decision but part of it i believe is also showing some respect to the indigenous community not just this specific incident um but it, it's a, it's a very tough decision 
Yeah. Jerry Agar, I had a text from somebody saying, well, Wapkin is indigenous. He wouldn't search for a white person. I don't think we can conclude that. Does this person a relative of Wabkanoos? Does this person know Wabkanoos? The person who texted me? Yeah. No. No, of course not. No, of course. Uh, Everyone uh, has an opinion when it comes to indigenous people. Sometimes these investigations are very expensive, and this is why police need money. There you go. Although Vast Bednar, it's not a police operation. Well, sure it is. No. Well, there's still there's still criticisms, right, that there's an absence of First Nation representation in meetings or involvements in, in discussions. So sometimes I think we can also look at this case and it's like they're trying to move forward. The search could cost 90 million or more. And yet, you know, procedurally or one aspect is still it's not enough or it's not proper or it's not a way that, you know, people hoped for this process to go forward. So it, I think even even with this expenditure and investment with the time delay and with the way it's moved forward, it could still be disappointing for people. And that's something else we have to pay attention to and really think about. By the way, having jumped all over your texter, I would say this as a Manitoban, I was uh, born and grew up in Manitoba. uh, That province has a troublesome relationship with indigenous populations. Oh yeah. Just go to Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Not a lot of time left, but uh, apparently Merriam Webster says it's okay to end a sentence with a preposition. Um, Vass, I assume, you do some writing. Uh, sorry, in my house where I grew up, that was never permitted. You know, I wanted to have something sassy where I ended the sentence that I said to you with a preposition, but this is actually not something that I police when I have to uh, evaluate the writing of others, but maybe I'm just focused on structure. How about two spaces after a period? When someone does that, I'm like, they're so smart. Like, that's just a signal to me that they're super smart and I'm out of my league. So I like, yeah, that's how I feel about this two spaces. I would like to quote Winston Churchill. This is the type of pedantry up with which I will not put. Thank you very much. (laughs) Communication is the key. Communication is the key. That's the goal. Good way to end. Thank you all. Great discussion. Courtney Betty, Vass Bednar and Jerry Agar. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.